Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you and welcome to this week's installment of Beyond Governance here at 101.9 High FM. It is good to be back on your radio and I sincerely hope that you've enjoyed service of holidays which came handy uh, for most of us, including me, of course. And I can't believe the years run so fast. We are fast approaching a half year end in a matter of a couple of weeks will be in June, which means we need to accelerate all business ventures. Uh, if you have not started one, it is never too late to start anything, be it academia, uh, journey or business journey. The point is we always learn something new almost every day. As we proceed, you know, in this show, we pride ourselves by elevating the quality of the conversations by bringing in technical experts and seasoned professionals whose insights and ideas could only make us sharper and diligent as we reflect on key issues that are facing our world. Before getting into the gist of today's conversation, it is customary uh, to express one's gratitude to the members of the team who assist in navigating the show. On that note, uh, Vusima Singer, my brother, thank you very much, and Harry Sikele for your sterling work. If you missed any of our previous conversations, not to worry. Simply visit our website, which is www.highfm.com, and look for Beyond Government links, uh, and you'll find all the podcasts there. And thanks for sharing your views and insights uh, based on what uh, took place last week. For those that missed that particular conversation, I had the privilege of hosting Professor Kangelani Zuma, who is an executive director at Humanities Research Council. And I think our conversation was thought-provoking in so many ways and really began to ask deeper questions about the ethos of black executives on why they are not supporting small businesses as they should. We have seen significant investments going to already developed areas. And this pattern is unjustified and tragic, to say the least, considering the inequalities and inequities which exist among black folks. Professor Kangalani, in my view, not only was capable in diagnosing what the problem it was, he also dispensed with tools and solutions, which I found always useful. It is one thing to complain, it is another to ensure that you, you bring about uh, those lived experiences uh, shared by yourself. In today's conversations, we are shining a spotlight on entrepreneurship, which is the basis for economic development. Who is better fit to give us insight on this very typical issue other than Dr. Sefisa Falala, who is a founding uh, CEO of Plus94 Research? We are talking about critical success conditions for which ensures any business survive. And uh, on that note, we definitely welcome your thoughts and views. Our SMS line is 34519. Before we get into very interesting conversation with my good doctor here, I just quickly want to weigh in on the the crime prevention warden that has been deployed in hotspots in Gauteng. I think this is a very useful and long overdue initiative as violent crime levels ex- are exceptionally high, not only in the Gauteng, but pretty much the entire country. We are told that there's about, what, 3,000 or so wardens that are already patrolling the street as of the 1st of May. And as a concerned citizen, we really hope that this crime prevention warden has strengthened existing law enforcement in the fight against crime. 
But what is the mischief about this particular initiative and what sort of insights does that bring or question that, that it raises? It does suggest, in my mind at least, that um, there is a lack of dysfunctionality or doubt on the capabilities of SAPS. And most importantly is that once you have institutionalized these uh, crime prevention wardens, how do you strengthen the entire value chain system? Because here I'm referring to the courts. You arrest the criminals that have infiltrated a number of our entities, then what? So if we were to strengthen the entire value chain by making sure that the courts are equally game in terms of prosecuting and successful prosecution of these individuals, we are definitely going in the right direction in addressing the, the fight. The other thing, issue that I want to quickly reflect on is the I hope, and I really hope and sincerely hope that these wardens uh, will be paid on time. They will be paid what is due to them because it will be so embarrassing. We've seen so many instances of these kind of initiatives you know, coming to a grinding halt purely because people don't pay. It would be quite tragic, in my view, if that if that particular thing would happen. But anyway, uh, we, we know that this trend is quite pertinent in government, halting, I don't know how many service providers have lost their jobs, uh, income purely because they were not being paid. I think it is fundamentally important that, um, you know, the premium halting uh, strengthen those or address those particular gaps you know, to ensure that such initiatives don't necessarily uh, fail, as it were. But anyway, those are my two cents worth of reflection on the crime prevention initiative, which I think is a very useful thing to do and long overdue. Without any waste of time, I think it is the time that we get into the gist of our conversation with the, the CEO and the founder of Plasma Before Research. I'm thinking the best way of kicking off a very, this kind of conversation is to reflect a little bit more on some of the quotes uh, that that are quite useful, particularly when you, when you are a leader and an entrepreneur. And I came across uh, a quote by Paul Kagame, the, you know, the Rwandan president, and it reads as, we must create economic opportunity, build a culture of entrepreneurship, get people take to take the responsibility for improving their lives, rather than putting them in a position where they sit back in their poverty and blame others for it. Close quote. On that note, Dr. Falala, welcome to Beyond Governance. Thank you so much, Dr. Mbele. Much appreciated. What do you take of uh, that uh, quote by Paul Kigami? If I can quickly... Uh, Entrepreneurship uh, is very important because uh, it is the engine that drives occupation, employment. It drives the ability of citizens to be able to afford products and, and services. And in order for a society to, to grow, it needs entrepreneurs. And if you are not growing, in most instances, you are retrogressing, you're moving backwards. And looking at our situation here in, in South Africa, it is very easy relatively to start a new business and to get into it. I think a fair comment about our situation is that uh, nobody really goes out of their way to assist you uh, to start a business or to, to grow it or to maintain it, not directly, uh, but at the same time, nobody prevents you. Uh, there is no one that is doing that does not succeed. Um, it's only if such things exist, they would be systemic. So that quotation is very important. And coming from Paul Kagame, who's been very successful um, at leading his own country and transformation from 
the genocide and the disaster that was Rwanda to where it is. Um, I think it's a quotation that needs to be noted and, and analyzed. Absolutely. Going back to Plus 94 research, take us through the genesis of this uh, company that is now 25 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, we're very excited and thank you to High FM for giving us the opportunity to talk about our 25th anniversary, which we are celebrating this entire year, culminating in uh, final celebrations that we will have in in August. But throughout this year, we have been celebrating with our staff. Uh, we've been celebrating with some of our clients and, and now we obviously are here at High FM to uh, share with you our experience um, as, a, as a business. First of all, I think the most important thing is to thank uh, our staff members for their exceptional talent, for their exceptional hard work. We have hundreds of interviewers that work for us on a daily basis and we have uh, over 160 permanent researchers that work for us and, and in that space when you have professionals that are qualified working together as a team um, it is amazing to see the uh, the teamwork and the shared vision and just uh, the amount of competitiveness that they've brought to the table in the research space. So what, what has defined this journey really has been uh, dwelling on the everyday realities rather than dwelling on the gap between the first day of the business and the 25th year. I think we've found ourselves um, on this journey living in the present or staying in the in the present moment, which means that we've had to analyze our situation as a global economy, as a local economy, and also as a sector in the market research, in the marketing uh, space, in the business, in the commercial space of sort of what does it actually mean. And the success of the business depends on our ability to interpret that. And if one goes uh, looks at our field, which is uh, by and large based on statistical probability, uh, central limit theory, in other words, the inferences in, in a population as large as our, our ours, you have to understand that at times you can shoot uh, way above the mean or below the mean. So our ability to stick and stay in the present has been very useful. We, we haven't looked beyond this minute. We haven't looked beyond the next second. And um, But what we do do as a business is to analyze thoroughly and be very realistic about, you know, how do we move from day one, which was 1998, sounds so long ago now, to where we are now in 2023. Um, and there wasn't any certainty. I certainly would not have anticipated that um, we would make it this far, but um uh, because of, thank God, and also some of the good things that we may have done, such as living um, um, each day as it comes, but being very, very strict with ourselves. I think the biggest critics um, of our own ability, of our own ability to deliver, to be relevant, to have products that are efficient, if, if we have been that. We have been the biggest critics of ourselves. And in that sense, we believe our business has been improving in its ability to interpret clients' problems because this is what we do. When we started the business, um, we called it uh, Plus 94. 
because uh, Nelson Mandela was still president of South Africa, and he was talking then wisely about the rainbow nation. And um, we were inspired. I, I was personally inspired listening to to him and lying in bed one day. I said, I think we should call this business after 1994, um, which is because it's such a great vision for everyone. And, and, and when I think about it and I think after 1994, it inspires me. And um, so the name came about. It sounded a bit odd at the time, a combination of a number and plus and and, and plus and also again the we test you know confidence at 95 percent uh we could test at 94 percent or 99 we test so it's like plus 94 seemed to make a lot of sense then but certainly the vision was to be instrumental in the development of uh, south africa by or through the provision of accurate research data because we believe that um, a country cannot develop efficiently and competently without knowledge and without insights. And this is what the business uh, has been there to do, has done for the last 25 years. We've been very consistent. We haven't tried anything else. And throughout the 25 years, we have stuck to our guns and uh, to what we are best at, what we know, which is market research. So in a nutshell, um, that's the and get into some of the details. Absolutely. Fantastic. It's quite good to hear a number of interesting insights that you have shared with us. Let's take a quick break and come back uh, to explore further on some of these issues that you've raised with us. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. Uh, if you've just joined us, I'm joined by uh, Dr. Sefiso Palala, who's uh, is executive at Plus94 Research. He's taking us through the genesis of this uh, company that is, was established 25 years ago. Before we took that break, you know, he pretty much painted a very interesting picture, the exceptional staff of articulating the role of the staff they've played, you know, the professional ethos, uh, the shared values, the shared space, and, and most importantly, how they've stuck to their guns over the past 25 years. And what stood out for me is that they were the, they are the worst or the best critics. Uh, and I suppose if you are your worst critic, you are likely to pushing yourself against blows of others yeah, for you would have taken some kind of protective layers, if you like, that ensures that you stay above float or you stay above the curb, as it were. Um, Dr. Falala, I think this is one of the most amazing story that you've shared with us. Take us through again, you know, you've said you're inspired by Nelson Mandela's reign and you noted a gap in the market because business is all about identifying the gap in the market and how you leverage that particular gap in the market. And we don't have lots of um, research companies that are black owned. How did you, what prompted you to look at this particular niche market and how you respond to it, obviously by establishing this company over the past 25 years? Yeah, when I actually was in varsity doing a, a BCom degree at honors level, I happened to have worked during the holidays for a research company. And uh, that sort of got me into this space, which is why it's a space that I know so well, because I started in it as as a varsity student. And uh, from that time onwards, I guess 
I was thinking BCom, you are doing some courses in, in business management, you're doing some courses in accounting, you're doing some courses in statistics. What kind of work are you actually going to do? And uh, either become a, a marketing manager, brand manager, become what else could you become? So I, I just thought maybe some courses, uh, now they're changing, they're becoming more uh, specific, tended to be very general in the business space. So the choice was entirely up to you. So when I came across the term market research, which is one of my courses, I kind of said, oh, this is very interesting. I actually like this. And particularly with reference to things like uh, inferential statistics and uh, the interface between statistics and, and psychology. So I got interested and uh, it was always about me being interested and fascinated by research rather than seeing it as an opportunity. Um, I, I never saw research as a business opportunity, but I, I saw it as an opportunity to survive, to express myself the way that I can express myself and, and, and my ability. Um, so got into the business as by default as some sort of a game in which I was able to play. And uh, it, then, then it, it just took off and, 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 and I, I had this inquiry, this quest uh, for knowledge to understand this interface between society. And, and one of the, the things that between society and business, and then the interface between individuals in a society where you have your optimists, you have your pessimists, you have almost like your normal distribution and at extreme ends, you've got those that are negative and those that are positive. And then in the middle, you have majority that is kind of neutral compared to the other two. So I was like, what does this mean? So it, the opportunity itself was an opportunity for me to be relevant the way that I am as an individual, rather than the opportunity to create a, a big institution, which is what has been the result of pursuing um, uh the, the quest for knowledge, for, for insight and, and for development. Absolutely interesting, um, you know, from big home. And it's quite fascinating that the degree that you have given uh, has given you a bit of insights on what you're quite passionate about. I mean, you're quite correct that, you know, back then most degrees were more like generalistic or general in the orientation. And now of late, we have more and more specialized because um, that's the trajectory of how the market looks like. Um, and, and what I took from you is, is, you know, a combination of statistical analysis and the psychology, combining the two, because that is the basis in which you are able to think ahead, diagnose the problem, and provide intelligence based on empirical evidence, because you, you are likely to change the thinking without evidence you know like they say you know we all entitled to our opinions but you know stats or statistical information is objective which are quite which i find it quite quite useful as we proceed um, dr falala you know you have made a number of strides what would you consider as the biggest highlight of this 25 year old company uh, I think just to survive in, in this business and to grow, um, when we started then, um, 
Obviously, it was so shortly after 1994, and we still had a hangover of some of the policies and the discrimination and the perception, particularly uh, that um, Africans, black Africans, uh, were not numeric in their disposition. I, I happen to be more numeric than qualitative. I have a, a strong understanding of, of, of qualitative uh, and, uh, methods and then psychology as opposed to quantitative or statistical methodologies, but I think it was difficult. And, and I remember approaching some clients at that time and being told that smaller companies, i.e. upstarts, uh, you can only do qualitative research. And what you've got to understand is that qualitative research takes longer. Um, you, you know, you sort of make smaller margins because you've got an old group and then you get people together, you give them food and drink, and then you have to give them an incentive as well. And then your time really is what you, you get paid for, which is a limited amount, even now still still the case. And quantitative research, you do large volume hundreds of thousands, thousands of interviews. So so I found us right at the outset being limited and uh, trying to prove that myself and uh, my partner, then uh, Tirani Mabunda, that we actually uh, were good with calculations and statistical inference. You, you know, so the ability to be accepted as now, for example, 95% or higher of our business is quantitative and and to be accepted in the market as um, a giant in um, mathematical or statistical or predictive uh, modeling as well as the area that we now lead uh, which is researching digital platforms for doing research and these digital platforms <coughs> include include instant messaging instant uh, chatting we have on all our phones for example a, a plus 94 uh, NPS app, uh, which does net promoter scores, uh, which means that we can reach respondents throughout the world and, and they can rate services for our clients and they can also rate buildings, tourist attractions and different such things. And at the same time, we also managed to create an reads barcodes. Um, and when our respondents or customers build, um, uh, buy products, they can scan barcodes of those products. So we have an audit, uh, a retail audit of consumer behavior, and we're able to pick out then the share in-home products, the market share of different products. So the ability that from an upstart to, to leading, um, in research, um, innovation um, is one of our greatest uh, achievements and the fact that today most of our research if not all of our research is done digitally we don't print questionnaires uh, we use tablets for data collection um, and, and the list carries on I think we've always had this determination to take advantage of uh, technology and now, obviously, with the advent of um, artificial in, in, uh, intelligence, we are also doing a lot of research and exploration in that um, area in order to reduce uncertainty in, in decision-making and also to predict customer preference. So the uh, specific area technical innovation and technical de uh, development has been uh, a highlight, particularly given the background where we have come from. 
interesting indeed. Um, on that note, let's have a quick uh, ad. We'll come back in a second as we need to pay our bills. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. Uh, this is Beyond Governance. Uh, you're listening to Nimrat Mbela, and I'm joined by Dr. Sifiso Falala, who is an executive um, at Plus94 Research, um, giving us uh, insights on how this organization took off as early as 1998 and and what it sort of inspired him. Key to what he pointed out before we took that break is the fact that when they started, they started small and they did not have much um, much pedigree behind them and they had to stay the course. They had to do bits and pieces along the way and, and research fraternity in the main uh, does require volumes to make um, good income and for them to be accepted in a market they had to invest in themselves they had to invest in technology they had to understand the thinking the psychology of the consumer on a basis of understanding behavioral uh, consumers uh, thinking orientation of the consumer so to speak able to match that up with their own uh, research to ensure that they give the client, because ultimately it's all about the client, a competitive advantage. And what was also key, you know, in base, in, in what he mentioned before, you know, that was the, the whole area of artificial intelligence, which is gaining ground. And it's quite interesting that they're already thinking on, on investing on artificial intelligence to stay above the curve because this is one in an inevitable phenomenon, if you like, because it is able to reduce the uh, uh, marginal errors and by giving the client more, more reliable, you know, credible statistics based on, on predictions, I'm sorry to speak. Dr. Falala, this is one interesting area which I suppose it gives you yet another competitive advantage by investing in artificial intelligence. How vast is this world uh, in, in the context of South Africa and to what extent are South African companies, you know, in this space taking artificial intelligence into their own planning and, and R&D? I think you have to because it's inescapable. Um, if you're using a, a smartphone device, you're really direct, whether you know it or not, are using AI. And AI is growing, growing phenomenally and, and its capability to summarize simple tasks, simple words, and to provide solutions uh, to problems and answers readily from a worldwide database gives um, uh, Africa in particular and South Africa specifically because we have relatively the most advanced infrastructure on the continent. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to develop faster and to leapfrog uh, many years of the knowledge gap that, that, that we have. Obviously, if you compare us to, uh, say, a Europe, um, our education system is still growing. Um, and has many more years to catch up. But with the advent of artificial in- intelligence, we're able to break down those, 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 those barriers and uh, to do so with less error and uh, to do so also with greater prediction. So we are able to predict the future now more than ever before, and we can break down uh, many of our problems and reduce them into, in, into specific points. If you look at, if we embed AI as a language-based uh, model, for example, your chat GPT, 
which is in common use these days and has already gained over 100 million subscribers. If if, if we look at that, we can also do uh, what we have started running on the sidelines is uh, predictive text um, analysis. Uh, predictive text analysis is... If a respondent, for example, is merely able to mention three or four things or five things within a group of, say, uh, 100,000 respondents, you can almost predict at the moment with over 80% accurate accuracy what their views on certain other topics that you haven't even explored would be. And the ability to do that with that level of accuracy means we can do research faster, we can use shorter interviews, we can... Um, make it more comfortable for 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 respondents and and that information will spread itself not just through research but through health provision diagnosis of different types of ailments even prescription of medicines that specifically suit the individual not only uh, dna type or genetic type but also their lifestyle profile so ai is inescapable and is in every business in a sense um is 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 the way to go and i see that there are fears and and we we've, we've seen for example chat gpt uh, being banned in some countries, France and, and, and maybe Italy, uh, sort of looking at, um, banning some of the, 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 the functionalities. I actually think it's too late to try and stop AI uh, because the information is worldwide. It started with the beginning, those many years ago of the internet. So South Africa has embraced AI, but the actual investment that we are doing is at scale. And it's the reason why we, why we're doing it at scale is, is because we believe that, uh, in the future, this is the way in which we'll be able to interpret, uh, our reality and, and is, is the way in which we'll be able to offer service, products and services to all consumers in South Africa. Interesting insight indeed. Um, one thing that you've just read which caught my attention among the many, of course, is the fear around uh, AI. And, and you've said in some countries in Europe, they've sort of tried to ban uh, some of the functionalities. One of the biggest, I suppose, arbitrals around AI in the context of high unemployment um, rate, as in South Africa, uh, is obviously something that we can't shy away from. We know that with AI, there's propensity for lower uh, lower uh, absorption of, of labor. Your, your take on that, and is this just a, a, a mere scare or there's some realities? And, and what would be the best way of embracing this phenomenon, uh, particularly in the context of efficiency and be, being able to to address macro policy gaps or issues, which inevitably leads to quicker decision making. Uh, and you are able to point to investments where they're needed um, so that you reduce the red tape and so on and so forth. Your take on that? Yeah, obviously, my take is I'm very excited about AI and um Efficiency uh, in the economy caused by an innovation such as AI uh, will create more jobs than it takes away. Um, there is no way in which um, making an economy more productive, uh, making it smarter, a lot smarter with uh, less, er- almost no errors as it develops, uh, there is no way that is going to make the economy smaller. It's going to make the economy. I'll give you an example. Probably 30 years ago, 
nobody worked for for Google. We nobody knew anybody that worked for a company like Amazon, uh, for example, or any of the tech companies. But now uh, it is actually prestigious to work for any of these companies. So the the, the jobs that are are created by advances in technology change, and that's how society involves certain jobs, certain tasks uh, get replaced. Uh, which is why when we cook a meal, uh, if we've got implements, we don't cook with our hands, but we use those implements that, 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 that are provided because it's just so much easier to peel a potato with an instrument that is meant for, uh, for peeling. So you concentrate on something else, uh, such as the actual recipe or, or, or the, 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 the process of ensuring that your meal is cooked on time and is, is tasty. So, it is such a great uh, opportunity. Uh, the job market will have to adjust and adapt uh, very quickly. And, and the reality adaptation is uh, encoded into our genes. And we have been adapting for as, as, as humankind. We have accepted different realities. If you look at the way society behaves now, with most of us being on our cell phones, not just on our cell phones all the time. If you look around you, even you look at security guards sitting around a car park or wherever they might be there on their phones. That is because of adaptation. You go back 20 years, that behavior did not exist. So we have to adapt not just in, in terms of our behavior patterns, but also in terms of the occupations that are relevant uh, with that adaptation. Are there risks uh, uh, with AI? Certainly, there are many, many risks in, in, in these humanoids, and they talk about them becoming uh, self-aware and having autonomous decision-making. At the moment, uh, we feel that their ability to do harm or to harm us is restricted by the set of values that are built into AI. And, you know, For example, if you ask um, in any of the AI devices, whether it's the Google one, uh, or is the open AI one to make a racist comment? It will not. It will tell you because it is programmed. But will there come a day when AI becomes autonomous and says that I'm not happy with this, uh, what has been encoded or what has been programmed it into me? I actually have a different set of beliefs. I want to be a mock. I want to run a mock. It is possible. And there is a risk in, in that. But all in all, if that risk can be managed, AI, is said to be the trajectory for, for where we are and how we have evolved. And the sooner that we embrace it as part of the total for IR, I think it will give us an advantage um, in our affairs and help uh, South Africa to develop a lot faster than it has done over the past 29 years. Absolutely incredible. I mean, I, the, the fact, I mean, you're quite poignant by indicating that over the past 20 years or so, I mean, you know, the, the, the likes of Google, the likes of Amazon, um, when, when they, and today because of AI, uh, imperatives, they have grown phenomenally. And, and I suppose it does make a lot of sense, uh, in that that's, that's the nature of uh, human beings. You have to survive. You have to adapt. You have to be flexible. You have to be agile. So these are kind of thinking that the market, uh, needs to think more drastically about. Uh, for there are a lot of opportunities, um, as we have seen now, uh, based on the kind of, uh, efficiencies and effectiveness of, you know, value propositions, uh, that are brought by, uh, AI, which it's a, it's a space that you're currently playing. And I'm quite, you know, excited to hear that, you know, most of your clients 
and and governments as well are beginning to embrace this kind of trajectory for they know that um it, it, it you know playing catch up is quite difficult so you have to leapfrog by emulating those that are already ahead particularly in areas where you you need your where your your, your greatest needs are when it's education and health and safety and security which are some of the issues that you have already alluded to it's quite quite fascinating uh, to say the least uh, thank you so much and uh, uh, when you opened the program you spoke about the crime prevention wardens that's a, a very good example of an adaptation or an attempt um, at adapting to the reality that our crime monitoring and prevention system has been infiltrated to an extent that it is not efficient. Uh, but the adaptation itself is necessary. So uh, we we are going to need to adapt um, as an economy. And we as a research company, we're committed to not just researching what we've been asked to to research by our clients, which often is consumer preferences and wants, customer satisfaction, business feasibility, reputation and image analysis, but also researching research. And researching research means we research the implements of which uh, AI is one of the implements uh, that is faster than any engine that I know of in terms of collating data and presenting it in a constructive and usable way. Absolutely. We're going to take a break as we gravitate towards the last leg of uh, our very interesting conversation. We'll be back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance, and I'm joined by Dr. Sefisa Palala, who is the uh, founder and an executive uh, uh, Plus 94 Research, and uh, giving us insights on the uniqueness of this uh, enterprise that, uh, that is celebrating 25 years. And uh, before we took that break, you really give us interesting points around this phenomenon on artificial intelligence and the extent to which they are piggybacking on the global trends. He made reference to Google. He made reference to Amazon. He, he made reference to a number of prestigious companies which are tech-led and, and the extent to which these companies are influencing in a positive way the market and how the markets, uh, especially labor markets, uh, is beginning to adjust uh, to ensure that they are also more agile uh, addressing the inevitability in, in uh, issues that are inevitable. And he did allow to the fact that artificial intelligence so far we have seen more positive uh, uh, contribution, however, did not deny or personally be undermine the extent to which uh, if it's not built properly, they just might come at a point where they, the, the configurations of some of these devices, uh, you know, assume their own lives. You know, we've seen so many movies. I think it's one of the movies that, that these kinds of AIs, uh, you know, assume life of their own and are independent, you know, quite interesting. And to think uh, back then it was almost like, Unthinkable, but it is reality. But be that as it may, there are obviously, uh, you know, values that needs to be embedded in designing of these AI's instrument to better our lives. Dr. Falala, as we gravitate towards the last bit of the show, you know, you've painted a very interesting picture and trajectory of your company. What sort of advice would you give to young and, and, and young and coming 
entrepreneurs who wants to venture not only in this uh, space but any other spaces, particularly black uh, in entrepreneurs. Well, thank you, Dr. Mbele. I hope I qualify to give anyone advice uh, that is interested in in getting into into business. Um, certainly, what 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 has worked uh, for us is uh, focusing on our strengths. I believe, and this is through looking at just the construction of human nature and uh, I suppose the theory of dispersion in statistics that you have this scatter of values, this scatter of brains, you have this scatter of talents, this scatter of sizes and so on. So, so when you have that scatter, everyone has got a place under the sun, uh, wherever they might be located in this massive scatter. And I think it, the most important thing is to understand where you are located in that scatter because we are all supposed to do a different job in order to advance society. So what I'd advise you is not to shy away from doing the role that you've been designed to do because it appears unusual or queer. Uh, so you have people that are interested in making straws. Not everybody needs to be in construction, for example, or the supply of PPE and so on. You can manufacture straws. You can go into technology. You can go into coding. But also you can go into manufacturing or sports or health. You can pursue app. the easiest category. So pursue an area in which you have a competitive advantage. I, I believe that there are areas where each of us, you know, have a competitive advantage. And if I look at the successes of Plus 94, as we celebrate 25 years, I would say we've succeeded in areas where where we have a competitive advantage as a collective group of people. Absolutely. But here's a caveat here. Um, I take it, obviously, focus on your strength. Um, everybody has something to offer. There are two things that I want to bring in. Uh, one is the need to collaboration and extent to which collaboration is part of um, formula of being successful. And secondly, how do you address instant this yearning for instant gratification, particularly among uh, you know emerging entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think it's it's actually. Uh there's a big difference between an entrepreneur and uh, a person that wants to uh, use business to make money. Not, not all business people are entrepreneurs. You know, in other words, they are not very enterprising. And perhaps we should then say, what is an entrepreneur? You know, an entrepreneur, by definition, uh, wants to build something that has endurance, something that can last for a long time, something from which his fellow citizens and even the world can benefit. So they want to leave a mark. An entrepreneur typically is not normally motivated expressly by the desire to make a million rand or a million dollars. An entrepreneur typically is they look at a problem and they say, why don't I fix that problem? And then they will do everything possible. Some of the projects that we've started, like when we started with digital platforms, it didn't make any sense and didn't make us any money, but we thought that it was necessary. So in many instances, that's when you partner with financial institutions, with with banks, and they assist you. They fund your, your projects with venture capital companies, with international allies that believe in it. So you have to identify an opportunity. So I would say that instant gratification is, 
not just a desire expressed by people who are in business, but everybody. It is uh, a common thread in society that many people want things to happen and to happen now. And even more so, some of them want those things to happen without them putting in a fair amount of effort or an amount of effort that deserves the, the gratification that they need. That That is unethical. So you won't uh, be an entrepreneur and at the same time want to earn and chew more than you've actually inputted into the into the process. So these these guys are opportunistic. So if you've got opportunistic business people, um, they need to be uh, set aside or differentiated from entrepreneurs. In other words, those honest, those solid citizens, those guys that want to actually start a going concern. Interesting distinction between business opportunities and being opportunistic, because I suppose, uh, as you are pointing out, when you're opportunistic, uh, when you're opportunistic, you are more likely to compromise your ethics. Uh, am I correct to sum up in that way? No, absolutely. So, uh, an entrepreneur and everybody has to play a role. Even if you must understand that in society, there are different levels of motivation and, and, and greed as well. And, and, and there are some, I would say, if you look at some of the outstanding business people that are known, uh, worldwide, whether you're talking about a Bill Gates and Elon Musk and, and, and such people, uh, Jeff Bezos, None of them uh, would ever say at any point that they were desired by, they were motivated by a desire to buy a Ferrari or a Bentley or a Lamborghini. And all of them seem to exhibit this um, ability not to be greedy. And, and it's actually quite uh, counterintuitive that greedy people in the end do not make good business people because their focus is on consumption. The entrepreneur typically, uh, the focus is not on consumption and entrepreneur's focus is on production. So that's, that's, if, if you need to succeed in business, you need to be focusing on production and expanding on that definition. What am I producing? Which is where we have spent so much money on. And I said earlier, we are our own greatest critics criticizing what we are producing because the preoccupation is what we are producing, which then goes back to what can I produce better than anybody else in my area? Absolutely. Um, you couldn't have said it better. He's certainly qualified to make uh, that kind of observation for you have lived for the past 25 years um, in this uh, venture that has proved to be a success, a good story that anybody who's listened to the show is certainly inspired. Once again, thank you very much, Dr. Falala, for sharing uh, with us a very interesting journey uh, as you celebrate 25th years of anniversary, um, you know, of Plasma for Research. Thank you for sharing it with us and all the best for High FM and everyone listening. All the best for the next 25 years for you've certainly left a legacy and does point to the fact that when you are motivated by social problem, problems, you're more likely to establish an entity that would outlive you. Uh, all the best in your other business uh, ventures, my good sir. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mbele. There you are. That was Dr. Sifiso Falala, who is the CEO of Plus94, giving us interesting insights on the genesis of uh, Plus94 research. Their lowlights, their highlights, and, you know, how they are navigating very murky environments around artificial intelligence and the, the role of what or the difference between entrepreneurs that is inspired by social issues and who 
tend to make a good business sense as opposed to individuals that are opportunistic, individuals that are driven by Instagram individuals that are focusing on consumption, not production. So for any business person to proceed or to succeed in the business venture, what I'm picking up from CPS is that focus on your competitive advantage, focus on production, uh, where possible, um, bring in the like-minded individuals in your space um, who would add value based on the same value system around production or consumption. Unfortunately, when I levitate, it's been absolutely beautiful having Dr. Falala uh, coming through and sharing us with those, uh, with us those kinds of, of insights. And they've certainly made difference in my mind. I hope they definitely, um, make difference in your thinking and your life as well. Let's, let's do this again next week. Have a good one. Shalom.